Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Coached by Dan podcast. I hope we're all keeping really, really well. This week I had the absolute pleasure of chatting with Dr. Amelia Thompson on the topic of emotional eating. In the podcast we talk about what it actually is, um, what it looks like, kind of what caused people to engage in emotional eating, the effects it can have to your, both your mental and physical health, and methods to improve and manage emotional eating. There is a ton of value given in this podcast, so without further ado, here we go. It's an absolute pleasure to welcome Amelia Thompson to the podcast. Uh, Amelia, you are very welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Um, for those unaware of who Amelia Thompson is, do you want to let everyone know kind of who you are and what it is you do? Yes. So I am a registered nutrition consultant and educator in exercise nutrition. And my background is exercise physiology. My PhD is in exercise physiology, but now predominantly I work with people to improve their relationships with food in some way. A lot of the time I work with people who have been chronic dieters or are prone to overeating cycles, um, who don't fit the mold of eating disorders and who don't really get the support they need for their disordered eating habits. So I head up a coaching team that works with people who need support with their relationships with food or relationships with their bodies in some way. And I also run an online holistic nutrition course called EIQ Nutrition with Emma Story Gordon. And that's a kind of compassionate evidence-based approach to nutrition, um, mostly for personal trainers, but for anyone really. Amazing. And my flatmate, Paddy, he's on EIQ now. I'm kicking myself for not coming on it. Oh, amazing. Oh, nothing but positive words about fucking about EIQ. So definitely <laughs> next time comes around, I, I shall be 100% jumping on it. But, um, you know, there's a massive amount going on there. And I suppose that's one thing I really want to jump into. Just the idea of like, I suppose, main reason I follow you and I suppose so many people kind of follow and look up to you is just your unreal knowledge on the topic of emotional eating and kind of everything you kind of mentioned there. So, so for everyone listening, the topic of today's podcast is very much going to be going over um, emotional eating, kind of what it is, kind of how it kind of comes about, and I suppose methods and ways to, I suppose, manage it and overcome it and things, some ways like that. So I suppose first things first, Amelia, um, what actually is emotional eating? Yeah, um, emotional eating is the tendency that we have to increase our food consumption in response to what we would deem as a negative emotional state. So that's what it is in a nutshell. People often get emotionally confused with, but we use it interchangeably with overeating and often in the fitness space, especially in, um, sometimes we use binge eating to describe emotional eating. And uh, you can binge eat in response to emotions, but what distinguishes them really between kind of an emotional eating situation and an overeating situation versus a binge eating situation is that with binge eating, we get, we experience this extreme loss of control whereas with emotional eating um although it can be a binge when we're talking about emotional eating here in terms of just an overeating situation if you really really had to you could stop but you may still eat more than you had uh, initially planned in response to again what we would deem a negative emotional state okay i get you and i suppose you mentioned there obviously there is a, a very clear distinct distinction between emotional eating and binge eating I suppose with that being said kind of what would I suppose emotional eating kind of look like in the sense of like, if it, like, like I don't know, yeah, I suppose, like, yeah, what does it actually, what would it actually look like? So it could look like a number of things. On the surface level, we could say, for example, say you had a fight with your partner and you were really, really pissed off and they left the house and then you went straight for the dairy milk in the fridge, for example. That would be 
emotional eating. Regardless of how much you ate, you maybe are not hungry, but you feel a certain way. And so you reach for food to provide you some sort of comfort. Um, it could also be, you know, there, there are lots of situations where you're going to feel emotionally perturbed. That's just the first example that came to my head. Um, it could also be, for example, if you are feeling overwhelmed at work, or you're chronically overwhelmed at work and chronically kind of on edge at work and you find, for example, that you're consistently eating and snacking at work, even though you're not hungry, it could well be boredom, but it could also be potentially emotional eating in response to that kind of chronic underlying feeling. But you also can experience emotional eating from an, from a sense that you don't necessarily know what you're responding to. So what I mean by that is, we have, have you heard of um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs? heard of that before? Uh, no i haven't okay so basically that's like a hierarchy of what we would deem our, our basic physiological needs so it starts at the bottom it's like a pyramid and it starts at the bottom with things like food shelter water etc and as you move up we add in things like love connection and um, all the way to the very top of the triangle which is kind of self-contentment or self-actualization which is once we've achieved all of these core needs we reach this point and often we as individuals will lack certain kind of components of that so we might say for example have food water shelter a job and on the surface we've got all of these basic needs met but as you move up you might find that someone is chronically lonely or they chronically feel disconnected and that can feel like an unmet need and and it's not always the easiest thing to recognize in yourself, but if you chronically feel disconnected and you aren't actually actively recognizing that feeling of being disconnected, you might find that you're chronically overeating. And on the surface, you might say, well, everything's fine. Nothing's triggered me today. But actually, it's because of this underlying, um, I guess, emotion that we have that we're not necessarily recognizing. And that can lead to eating as well, emotional eating as well. So it's really easy to think of it as just, oh, I got into a fight with someone and a, and a comfort eight. But there is more to it, that, like more to it than that. Yeah, I get you. I think what you mentioned there is it's, it's kind of like, it's, it's one of the things where it's kind of like, you know, it can be someone's normal without them kind of realizing it. It could just be so much going on in the background that their normal is just feeling that stress or feeling, you know, the work, whatever it is, kind of, if they have a, a job, they just fucking, there's mad stress in, day in day out Monday to Friday and it's just always their, their same reaction is there's food or whatever kind of way you know like from from their point of view it's like yeah this is just normal it's how I am but without realizing kind of they are just kind of you know going to food from that point of view mm -hmm. so with that being said like what like is it like a like obviously like it's not ideal but like what kind of complications could that cause I suppose like from looking from a health point of view obviously from a mental health point of view from a physical health point of view what are some kind of potential kind of negative outcomes I suppose that could come from so not even record like it itself but like not recognizing that it is in fact happening mm. I mean the first thing to say is emotional eating is absolutely okay and I think that's the first thing to normalize to some degree emotional eating is fine as long as it's not your only coping strategy so I emotionally eat but I also journal and I also speak to friends and as long as it's not your only go-to it's really important that we're not saying you should never be overeating that's that's quite normal and mm. um, it, it really is a, a kind of sign of emotional dysregulation and there are lots of different theories behind why we might emotionally eat but they all come down to this idea of emotional dysregulation which in and of itself is not great because what that means is we're not recognizing what we feel and we're not meeting our needs and if we're not meeting our needs then we're not reaching a place of 
being content with where we are. But <clears throat> if you look at the research in regards to emotional eating, I mean, first of all, if you're chronically emotional eating, you are more likely to be overweight or obese. And, you know, we're not going to get into the discussion of healthy body sizes today, but there's a certain level of body fat that is detrimental to your health. And at the same time, it's detrimental potentially to your sense of self and your body image. So emotional eating tendencies do tend to be associated with lower body image and lower body satisfaction. It's associated with um, eating disorder symptoms. So you may be more likely to exhibit other signs of eating disorders or disordered eating if you are if you rate highly on an emotional eating scale. Um, it's associated with poor physical outcomes, like I said, with obesity, but potentially other physical outcomes. If we're really going into the nitty gritty, if you think if someone is chronically eating um, sugary foods, for example, emotionally, then the impact that that may well have on, on their dental health. Um, poor psychological outcomes, it's associated with poor overall well-being scores. And when we're thinking about well-being, we're thinking about scores of self-rated happiness, for example, self-rated gratitude, um, so it's it, it, these are all associational um, these are all associations when we're looking at the research but that, so it doesn't mean that emotional eating is necessarily causing all of these things but they do tend to come together so that's why it's so important that we try and tackle each of these things but if we can tackle emotional eating then that that's really obviously helpful for both our psychological health and our um, physical health as well yeah i get you i think i think the, the the key thing you mentioned there towards the start was kind of like how you know to not make it out to be like the worst thing ever like you do this oh my god you shouldn't be doing this like it's totally normal like you know you know it's 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 like there's a stressor there and it's like listen there's a day i'm in the fridge you know you're gonna have a day i'm in the fridge it's 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 a nice thing to have when you're stressed out you know no one's ever been upset fucking having a dairy fire it's one of the nice things going what you mentioned there towards the start is kind of how it's not a bad thing. It's not something to worry about when there's other aspects of kind of dealing with that stress as well. Like what would, like from, from your experience and things that would work for yourself, what would be some, some, some methods you kind of do to kind of cope with things? So I suppose the emotional eating side of things wouldn't be the only kind of like a gateway to kind of escape that kind of, that kind of stress. Mm. I think just going back to the start of that question, kind of what you were yeah. saying there in regards to, when we're looking at emotional eating, if it, you said, you know, if you have a day milk, it never makes someone feel bad, for example. And I think that's actually really helpful because actually if you are eating that day milk and you do feel bad, then it's really not helpful to you and you're not getting comfort. And a, quite a nice way to distinguish this is to look at whether that food is providing you with what we call shadow comfort or true comfort. So true comfort might be if you have that day milk and, and like you, you feel you genuinely do feel a bit better. You feel happy. You enjoy the chocolate and you move on with your life that that is true comfort and that's fine but shadow comfort will be where that dairy milk potentially it doesn't leave you feeling nourished it doesn't give you that sense of satisfaction or you don't get enjoyment from it all you get is distraction or you get numbing from that and I think even before we go on to the other stuff if we look at the background in terms of the theories behind emotional eating Yes, it may well be that we're eating to regulate these negative emotions, but also sometimes we might emotionally eat to avoid a certain feeling and to avoid emotional distress. And you're not going to get comfort from a day milk if you're doing it to avoid recognizing your feelings. You might get 
initial transient comfort but the feeling that comes after that and the emotional distress that comes after that can often be worse um so it's important to actually i think recognize how you feel after comfort eating first and foremost before you do anything else is it true comfort or is it shadow comfort um there is another theory behind emotional eating in the sense of actually that we emotionally in response to poor awareness of our internal hunger and satiety cues so that's that's kind of aside from the emotional side of things and actually we are eating because we don't really recognize when we're hungry and when we're full and you know we could go on all day about why that may be but often we see that a lot with people who have been dieting for their whole lives and don't quite recognize when they're hungry and full anymore um so that's kind of a side note um in terms of regulating your emotions it's so person specific so like i would never give my clients a, a specific thing that's it to say when you feel like this you're going to do x y or z because i don't know what makes somebody feel good so there are basics like journaling for example it can be really really helpful because not only is it a distraction for someone when they want to eat but it also encourages self-awareness it encourages somebody to say well what am i feeling right now do i feel hungry or do i feel something else why do i feel that way and to really start to dig into their stories that they're telling themselves and their thought patterns around that feeling so if you're somebody who does eat and you don't really recognize why you're doing it journaling is one of the best things that you can do and you know it doesn't have to be in the moment it can be any time of day so journaling i think is great basic things like going for a walk texting your friend um <laughs> friends i always watch friends if i feel really triggered by something just a quick episode because that's what makes me feel good so it doesn't have to be anything obscure it's just i think a lot of the time people don't know what makes them feel good anymore and yeah. i have this discussion with clients and they say well what actually makes you feel happy and they don't know the answer yeah yeah can you hear like, that? sorry to interrupt you can you hear that background noise noise uh no i can't Okay, great. Just check because sorry, the skills come out next door. <laughs> you're grand, you're grand, you're grand. But um, you know, I completely, I completely agree with what you said there in terms of kind of you know not re-recognizing. I think it's 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 one thing I found coaching clients and and they come to me is kind of like when when they're kind of coming into it, if be go eat fat loss, but most whatever their goal is, it's it, they kind of feel like you know it's got to be all in on that. And I suppose when they come into the point of view where like you know very human instinct comes around, work is stressful. This happens, you know. I got to go for the food and the case like, well, you know, you're, it, it's, it's dealing with the stress in a very easy way. You know, that, listen, you're, you're stressed from work. You want to have a bar of chocolate, you want to have X, Y, Z. That's it's, it's normal. It's going to happen. It's, it's just how we react. You know, we, we're, we're feeling not great from the stress. We want to feel better. The bar of chocolate. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like having them kind of think to themselves and kind of think like, right, you know, it's not a, like dealing with that way. I've seen nothing wrong with it. But how else could we deal with it? You know, what do you actually enjoy? Like the friends coming to me there was brilliant. I remember when I used to work in a gym um, here in Dublin, and the, the, it was like these class, they did like classes to do like to teach the, like brand the classes. You have to do like modules and things like that. And um, I remember like Wallen was brilliant. We walked down and like these are weekend. It's weekend long kind of things. You know, from like eight a.m. to like five p.m. It's stressful. You're kind of like well, you don't want to be there. One of them walked in. So he stuck a friend of mine. His name is Ricky Long. We we walked in and just. He wasn't saying anything. He was there watching friends like a projector. And like we all feel it was just really tame, really nice, really calm. And I suppose like it can be, be something as simple as that. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, you know, if you're feeling really stressed out, okay, cool. What do you actually enjoy? Do you know, I live really close to the sea. I'll hop in the car, go for a swim. That's just my go-to. That's how I just chill out and went. 
nothing nice about being gold water, but it's that really nice distraction being around friends that I really enjoy. You know, restrictions easing, we can like go out and see friends, have them over, do all that fun stuff. And it's a case of like, you know, I think awareness is a really big part of it as well, what I'd be right saying. Kind of like not just, you know, like we said towards the start, like if it's someone's norm to kind of refer to food when they're feeling that way, it's kind of like they wouldn't recognize any different until you just kind of made them aware. Does that kind mm. of make sense? Yeah, I think one thing that could be really useful is saying rather than, you know, that feeling that you get when you're just before you're about to eat, before you're about to emotionally eat, rather than using that as a as a sign that says, right, that means I need to eat now, you can say right, that's that feeling is a sign that my body, like that I need to listen to what I'm feeling, or that is a sign that I need to do go for a walk or something rather than you know it's like you're building a new kind of mental pathway so you know up until this point that feeling led to you overeating right well let's think or emotionally think let's think right what can we put in place as an alternative in advance so that that feeling is now associated with doing a more fruitful task that's actually going to be helpful um but it takes it takes a lot of kind of self-training and it takes forward planning and because everyone knows that when you get initially triggered, you go to the food like that. You don't sit there and think, oh, I'm going to emotionally eat two squares of dairy milk. And you, you just don't have that pause. So it's often about thinking in advance, oh, I know that these are my triggers and identifying those. And then saying in advance, like, well, what makes me feel good in those moments? And next time I feel that way, that's what I'm going to put into place rather than just simply going to the dairy milk and fridge. Yeah, I, like, I, I love that. It's something I used to do personally. I remember like just, no, emotionally me anyway it was never like a, a like a massive issue but it, it was something i remember just kind of like hearing about it like it was a thing that i was kind of doing but not recognizing it was a thing you know and it was only until i kind of heard the term emotionally i was like oh hang on a minute like i kind of you kind of recognize you kind of catch yourself out doing oh hang on i've actually just you know be at work be something's been said to me you know i've actually gone for this not because i'm hungry not because i want to treat or anything it's more so a case of just how i'm dealing with it you know and it was for me anyway, something as simple as kind of being, I was, I was saying to myself, like, you are doing this because of this. Do you need to? Like, is, is it absolutely necessary? Was enough for me to be like, actually, do you know what? No, actually, I don't. You're not going away. And it's, it's, it's that idea of kind of like just reassociating that kind of feeling. Like, instead of like, you know, you know, if, if, if I'm about to have like a, if I'm about to, like, if I'm here about to go to the fridge and demolish like a, one of those like family. Yeah, we're gonna. I think dairy milk, like the chocolate bar of use for this podcast. Yeah, like like a family size dairy milk. It's kind of like right. Okay, I'm about to do that. Let's just do something else. So it's kind of like the like it's it's like the more and more you do something, the more likely it is to happen. So it's kind of like whenever, if like say I don't know, maybe a few months down the line, you know, that same feeling comes again from work. The same trigger happens. I'll by default maybe go for that walk I did before, or or, or hop in the car, go for a swim, kind of just reassociate that feeling with, that would have led to mostly eating with it's more the kind of means of managing that stress mm. yeah and the other one of the other issues is that we often are we're not great in terms of our emotional literacy in general these days we don't really recognize when we feel things we say we feel anxious we feel we feel sad and we feel happy or we're fine and a lot of us are fine but there's nothing beyond that and so how do you expect to meet your need of frustration, of insecurity, if you can't actually identify what that feeling feels like in yourself in the first place? And that, that, so that's the other thing where we need to get better at saying, this is actually what I feel. Stop using these, what we call umbrella terms. Anxiety is such an umbrella term for all of these different emotions, but you would meet each of these emotions in a different way. You meet envious and frustration and, um, I don't know, 
pissed off you'll meet all of those three things in different ways but if you're just saying well i'm anxious i need to do something when i feel anxious you're not going to meet those needs so i think as well journaling can be really helpful for this but actually when you feel a certain way start getting used to say i feel x y and z and this is actually something that i use with clients who have children where they do like a feelings check every day and it doesn't have to be a bad feelings check it can be just once a day they say what name one word you're feeling and encouraging that use of just different language to really start to figure out this is actually what I feel and this is this is how this manifests in my body and this is how this feels I think that's what we're really lacking um so I, I recommend that everyone starts to do that whether it's with themselves or with their families or with their friends me and my friends are always like it's fine everything's fine but that's not necessarily helpful <laughs> yeah no, I, think, I think everyone everyone how are you fine it's yeah. just it's just it's just so like and like like it's 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 to be honest it's not something i really thought about until, until now it's kind of like you know we're, we're, we'll say like you know if it's not fine it's i'm anxious i'm stressed i'm this and that but it's not very like exact does that make mm-hmm. sense yeah and it's like anything when there's any amount of vagueness or cloudiness around the subject you know it's, it's not gonna be dealt with as well it's like you know like anyone with this like, client wants me what's your goal i want to lose weight it's kind of like well it's not giving me a huge amount to work with. Like, it's like you, you keep dig, digging and kind of putting more, more information to make it, you know, whatever you're coaching them, it's tailored towards them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I, I genuinely never thought about it that way. It's kind of like it makes like, a lot more sense. So, thank you for, thank you for that. Well, I'm glad. Um, when it comes to, like, we, we've spoken a lot about kind of methods and, and, and ways, I suppose, of, of, of managing emotionally. Um, would there be any would there be any other ways that we, we haven't mentioned or you haven't mentioned even um i suppose like managing methods of managing it that we haven't actually touched on yet yeah um so it's going to be person specific i think one of the best things is we've sort of touched on it but we haven't actually gone into it in any detail is this um implementation intentions and i use these really regularly with clients because they basically involve putting a strategy in place beforehand for when the situation arises. So again, we have touched on this, but implementation intentions take the form of if then. So it would be a sentence that says, if I feel, then I will do something else. Or if this happens, then I'll do something else. And there was a paper published in 2020, I think, and um, they looked at implementation intentions with binge eating specifically and they use behavioral situations so for example common triggers for people who emotionally eat is that it's when they're on they're on in house on their own so they had these kind of behavioral situations and they also had these emotional situations so if i feel stressed then i'll tend to emotionally eat and the way that they work is that you you write these down for yourself so think about your triggers behavioral behavioral or emotional and say if i feel or if this happens and then put a strategy in place then i will do x y and z so find your own strategy and put that in place so you have these sentences written out that says if i feel this then i will do this and then rather than just simply writing it down actually visualizing going through that process so sit down in the morning and say right i'm visualizing myself being in the house on my own i'm now visualizing myself taking myself for a walk making myself um this type of dinner etc etc so that it starts to become ingrained in your brain and, and visualizing going through it three times, especially in this, in this study specifically, they got people to go through it three times and that's what I will do with my clients. So it becomes more normal. Um, so people don't like it because it's work that you have to do in advance when you feel fine and you don't see a tangible outcome, but it's these types of repeated measures that can be really helpful when the time arises. 
Um, another thing on that same sort of note is practicing meditation, practicing mindfulness in some way is really, really helpful because what that does is it allows you to be more in the moment. It allows you to be more present and it allows you to react, it, respond rather than react. So when you are in the moment and something triggers you, rather than just immediately blown off on one and reacting and then reaching for food, you can stop and you can say, okay, let's just take a breath. I'm going to focus. I'm going to be present. And it's much easier then to say, what do I actually need in this situation? And so again, getting people to, or asking people to meditate is not often the easiest thing because people think that it's really hard work and it's really hard because your brain kind of goes off on one all the time. It absolutely does. And that's totally normal. But it's again, one of those practices you can put in place beforehand so that when the situation arises, you're just better, you're just better able to deal with it. So that's another thing I would suggest. Um, I would also consider, I mean, there are lots of things. There's a technique called surf the urge. Have you heard of surfing the urge before? No. So um, surfing the urge basically means when when we emotionally eat or when we do other things like um, drink alcohol, online shop, etc., all of the other things that we use to um, quote unquote numb our feelings. Um, surfing the urge basically says rather than escaping your feelings, you're going to sit with your feelings. And it's based on the premise that your any cravings that you have or those kind of desires that you have will come and go in the as a as a wave would and you are supposed to be surfing that wave so the feeling that you get will increase over time so you have to sit with it notice the feeling in your body so rather than saying let's go with anxious rather than saying I feel really anxious right now I'm going to go and do something else so I can't feel it you say okay I notice myself feeling anxious right now what does that feel like how do my hands feel how do my feet feel how does my heart feel you know as my heart racing do I feel hot do I feel agitated and it can be really really difficult to do um, because you actively are sitting in that feeling and that actually for some people can be too much so people for example who have a lot of trauma for example that can be really really difficult but what it does is it just promotes awareness without engagement in any sort of impulsive behaviors um and it's a mindfulness-based stress tolerance um strategy so it is the idea of mindfulness is that you are, are present and aware and it's really really difficult so when the, the feeling hits the idea is that you just sit with it. So you sit, like I say, notice the feelings in your body and give yourself um, half an hour. Say, right, um, if I still want this in half an hour, once I've focused on the craving, I've acknowledged where I experienced the craving, um, I've noticed this kind of peak of the craving, which is the peak of the wave, and then the craving will come back down. If after 30 minutes, I still feel that I need to have this, then I will allow myself to have it, but I'm going to sit for this 30 minutes and really notice everything that comes up for me in that 30 minutes. And like I say, it's, it is really, really tough, but it's a really good strategy because it teaches you kind of helps to support you accepting like self-awareness and acceptance are two really key facets of, of mindfulness. Um, but also some therapeutic models will focus very much on these two things too, to kind of manage cravings. So if that's something that you think you want to try, it's just called Surf the Urge and you can look it up for if you want kind of really specific kind of 
breakdown of how you would go through that. Um, so I would say that's a really useful technique as well. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Um, like I think I think personally, I think one of the, the biggest things I think, like correct me if I'm wrong, is that people and I can say I'm very guilty as well, are very just like close off by talking about their feelings or kind of accepting that they're there. You know, and kind of, kind of like, like you said, that kind of that, you know, obviously kind of like sitting through and kind of like if you're feeling anxious, feeling stressed, instead of being like, got to distract myself to this and that's actually like, you know, actually just sit with it and actually kind of experience it. You know, yeah. I think it's, it's like people will, will feel once kind of that this discomfort kind of sets in, it's not like, oh, I just get out, get out, do something else. I want to be distracted now. And almost by that distraction, it's kind of like, it can help, but it can also be kind of like, like putting it under the rug or putting it somewhere for it to kind of creep back out again I suppose yeah that's... but if you look at the so if you, there is research on this and we know that mm. suppression increases calorie intake and when it's increases calorie intake the calories do tend to come from quote-unquote comfort foods so people who regularly suppress their feelings eat significantly more when it comes to emotionally eating than people who reappraise or acknowledge their feelings and when i say reappraise i mean you can an example of that would be yeah yes my boyfriend dumped me but in a year's time I'll look back on this and feel glad because I've moved on and I'm with someone better as an example yeah. really really you know shallow example there but it, just to give you an idea so we know that suppression does increase calorie intake in this situation and that's why a lot of people who emotionally eat tend to be the people who are very positive on the outside the people who um, like to help other people, to quote unquote fix other people, um, that like to hold everything together for other people. As a result, they tend to be the people that don't acknowledge when they need help. They don't acknowledge their own, they're not vulnerable in themselves and they feel a sense of shame when they can't be really positive. And because of all of those feelings, they say they tend to overeat as a way to stop themselves from feeling those other feelings. And so that does tend to be a large proponent of people who emotionally eat or binge eat do tend to suppress their feelings in that way, which is again, why journaling meditation mindfulness practice can be really helpful to emotional literacy. It can be really helpful in that sense to work on that because emotional eating is less so about the food and more so about the emotions that you're trying to avoid. Um, so we, on the whole if you could do anything for to reduce your emotional eating it's start figuring out what emotions you're actually feeling and start meeting those needs um another really think, thing you can do is a, the, what we use uh, with my clients is called the bold technique so b-o-l-d mm. so when you feel uh, triggered in some way and you have that emotion like stop for a second and do some belly breaths which is b so taking deep breaths in for four seconds hold it for four seconds breathe out for four seconds do that five times often that's enough just to slow you down breathing is one of the best things you can do in any sort of stressful situation um observe in your body so oh where you feel that emotion so similar to surfing the urge um do you feel it in your heart so are you potentially feeling grief or something similar in your heart or do you feel it in your hands because you're they're tingly because you're anxious? So observe where you feel it in your body. L stands for listening to your values. So we haven't even touched on values, but when you're making decisions, you want to make decisions that are in line with what's important to you right now. So that might be 
um, your health goals, that might be, I don't know, your, your values can be absolutely anything. Maybe you're trying to lose body fat for your health. And so health is number one. So listen to your values and say, what do I value? I value my health right now. How is this decision in line with my health? And then D would be decide. So make a decision based on your values. And really any of this, these techniques are about breathing, slowing down and awareness. It doesn't matter how you word them but everyone responds to slightly kind of connects to different types of techniques slightly differently. Yeah. I think you mentioned there actually, we didn't even touch on values. I think it's, it is a really important thing to kind of be aware of. And it's kind of like, you know, I think when like anything related back to your core values of what is you really are, what is important to you makes it significantly sort of easier to, 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 to avoid things that are going to be, that are going to compromise that, you know, I think one of the, like, I think one of the like one of the things I do, I suppose, as a coach with my clients, is kind of like you know, if they feel like I would always say like you know, a pizza in isolation, a fucking bar dairy in isolation, there's absolutely not, nothing wrong with that, right? If a client comes to me, he's like, Dan, listen, I want to drop, I want to drop whatever weight for our wedding coming up in, in three months' time, right? And they come to me and said, listen, I've had a fucking, I, I can't have bad foods in quotation marks, bad foods, I can't have pizza X Y Z, you know, and it's kind of like. You know, well, you look back at the values, look at everything. It's kind of like, well, is having a piece of isolation going to be counterproductive towards the goal? Is it dare? It's like, not necessarily. Then it's kind of like, well, put it simply, like if you have a pizza every night as a result of it being emotionally, whatever it is, every night for the wedding, you know, if you're going to Domino's and actually 2,000, 2,500 calories a day, you know, it's probably not going to be, you know, super beneficial towards the goal. It's kind of like, well, what would you like prefer would you prefer the short-term satisfaction of the pizza every night or would you prefer like the long-term satisfaction of you know having those goals achieved for the wedding still enjoying yourself don't get me wrong but kind of like is it worth that trade-off i think once once values are brought into the equation once they're like genuinely thought not just saying like oh actually i value this i'm not gonna do that it's like no like you be very kind of like present like what are your core values why are they there you know i will make you feel to actually have them like grasp and live and be living them i suppose when uh, me personally and other clients as well when presented with the idea of, of like you know is the thing in totally larger values it becomes not easy but easier to kind of you know take more productive options i suppose mm. yeah it helps overcome the cognitive bias that we have like we have a cognitive bias that is i think it's called the, the present the present bias or something really obvious like that where we tend to overvalue stuff that is right now and undervalue stuff that is a long term and so that when it comes to eating it's like well i value taste and gratification now more mm. than i value how i feel at that wedding in three months time so it's yeah a useful way to do that is just to ask yourself what will my future self thank me for and that's a, a self-compassion type question that it's about it's not saying there's any shame in having pizza every night but it's saying well what how will you feel in in three months if you have reached the place that you want to be and how will you feel if you don't what will that future self thank you for doing right now and so it comes from a place of self-care self-worth as opposed to you're an arsehole you shouldn't eat pizza every night basically yeah yeah it makes so much sense it makes so much sense i think yeah once i think like with most things like once values are brought into the equation like genuine genuine values kind of like okay let's take a step back let's reevaluate i mean like i think with most things i think as well it's so like you know you know, I have a, I have a, I have a bar of like, like seventy percent lint chocolate in the, in the fridge. I fucking like it's, it's. We've been talking about dairy milk. We're veering off dairy milk briefly. Talk about my dear love for seventy percent lint. Like I could happily like, and I like, actually, do you know what? I found it the most amazing combination. Do you know like Biscoff spread? Mm-hmm. Dairy or not dairy milk? Dark chocolate with that is like the, the nice thing of all time. No, I'm oh. gonna try that. I could be up no. for that. 
please do. Well, yeah, it's it's. I I honestly like I I can happily finesse an entire bar of that with that. I suppose with the biscuit spread, like you know, to get an entire jar on that in my bar. Happy days. I'll be happy. Yeah, but I'm kind of like right. You know, I, I would love that. Don't get me wrong. Like I like I don't think anyone wouldn't love an entire bar of chocolate smeared biscuit spread. You know, find me someone who who would say no. But then I'm kind of like, right, well, right now, what are my personal goals? Well, like, I'm, I'm, I'm currently dieting down. I want to, I'm adhering to an, like a, an exercise goal, a, a cardio goal, a step goal, a calorie goal, all that fun stuff. It's not too much to ask myself. I'm kind of like, this goal is set because I want to, you know, how I see myself with that kind of body fat coming down, I'd be a lot happier. So it's kind of like, you know, would it be productive of me to have an entire, but I think it's a nice way to look at it. Is it kind of like, would I rather have an entire bar of base sauce red and just, love that what do you kind of put it towards my goals and what are you better off having say two squares you know having the same enjoyment remind myself like i'm not having lint and biscuit spread to be full i'm having it to have a taste it has like a craving because like it, it's the nicest thing of all time you know I have too much of it i'm not going to feel very well just in general so it's kind of like well, the thing i, I want to do give me give me short, short of satisfaction and it'll give me the, the opposite way around so i suppose one thing i kind of love doing from that point of view is kind of like recognizing you know it's for taste not for not for fulfillment and i suppose you know when you relate it back to the values and you're kind of like oh well i can't do that because my values kind of like well you probably can just not the extent you originally wanted to does that kind of make sense yeah definitely and and another really simple thing you can do is just say am i hungry for this saying it out loud and it sounds so basic but holding yourself accountable out loud it says when you open the fridge and say am i actually hungry Mm. And, and when you say out loud and you say well no it really puts that stopgap in to say well why am i in the fridge what else is going on here what do i need i'm usually boredom if you're working at home right now for example so that's a really really simple thing that you can do and and maybe you're not hungry but maybe like you said you just want a taste of something fine do i just really fancy a taste yeah have a taste and move on and i mean i say this all very matter of fact and really kind of simply and i know that it's not that easy if you're somebody who has this knee-jerk reaction to emotionally eat or to overeat it's not as simple as saying well you just do these techniques and tick it off and that's it you know i'm very 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 well aware which is where the meditation and self-compassion and that side of things comes in because it it just slows everything down but it all takes practice all of it it's not a matter of fact by any means for most people who emotionally who emotionally eat yeah it, it, it's it, it, it takes time you know, it's, it's one thing that's like, it, like all these techniques are phenomenal and they will help but it's a case of like don't look to do it once and then expect to be fucking so it's like someone it's like saying something like dan listen i've done one of these workouts why am i shredded yet it's kind of like that's how it works you know take your time you know it, it's something like you know like almost kind of like you know that like i said there by kind of you know saying um, do I, am I, or like you said there like i'm actually really hungry for this do i actually really want that you know you know there are gonna be times that you kind of you open the fridge for the dairy milk or the lint or the biscuit whatever it is we're talking about and you're gonna be like oh i should want this and after you're like oh i thought i was i thought i was going to i thought you kind of you have it and you're like oh i should have done that thing before like it's like we're all human we're all gonna forget at some point you know it's kind of like when it does happen it's like it, it it'll happen again it's like you know once you do something once the second time becomes a lot easier and again and again and again and i suppose that repetition and the things is is just as important as the thing itself yeah absolutely um I mean, listen, that was absolutely phenomenal. Um, I think there's a lot of value in that podcast there. Not just for anyone listening, but for me me as well. Like genuinely, <laughs> I've taken a lot from that. Um, so thank you so, so much for coming on. Um, I really appreciate that. Um, for anyone who wants to follow you, work with you, all that fun stuff, where can they, where can they find you? The best place is my Instagram, really, uh, uh, which is Emilia Thompson PhD, or my website is emilia.fitness. Amazing. 
Amelia, once again, thank you so, so much for coming on, on the podcast and to everyone listening. I hope you really enjoyed that. And I will see you all again next Friday. Thank you.